0: Hello and welcome to episode five of the Extra Cannon podcast. Today we have our, our first three-way episode actually. Um, I'm joined by the usual suspect, Mac Johnson, but but we also have something of a special guest alongside us. Um, today, as it as it's the interlull, uh, we thought we'd uh, have a look into the Arsenal squad, pick out some areas which we think need improving, and then just going through a load of players that Arsenal have been linked with in said areas. Um and yeah, we're, we're looking forward to, to getting into that. But but first of all,
1: I'll introduce the main man, Matt Johnson. How are you? I'm doing all right. Honestly, I think y'all got to be bored of me by this point. But, you know, I'll take it. I'm always excited to be on and very excited to be joined by our third guest. I'm giving a little mini drum roll in my lap, which you guys definitely can't hear. But yeah, who uh, who else is here? <laughs>
0: This week we are joinest, joinest joined by the the newest recruit of uh, the We Love You Arsenal writing team. We're joined by uh, Max Mishkon. How, how are things, Max?
2: Things are all right. They're good. Um, yeah, this is a bit surreal being on, like having listened before. Um, <laughs> it's quite strange. But yeah, if you're if you're not bored of me now, then you probably will be by the end of this episode. <laughs>
0: I'm sure that that's not the case. Um well anyway as uh, you guys listeners will know uh, there's no Arsenal at the moment because it's the uh, the international break so we thought that this week we'd we do a bit of a transfer special looking at uh, a few players that Arsenal have been linked with heading into the summer transfer window. Um of course that's still a long time away and likely none of the names we mention in this in this episode will even end up being at Arsenal come come the summer. But um well still, uh transfers are always interesting. And um yeah. Uh so so just before before I start, I guess we should um discuss the weekend. You guys obviously weren't on the main show. Um what what did uh, I'll start with you, Mac. What what did you make of the the three three draw with West Ham? It was a bit of a chaotic
1: game, wasn't it? Yeah, I think in a separate set I write for Pain in the Arsenal, I described it as a Jekyll and Hyde performance. You know, possibly the worst thirty minutes of football I've ever seen an Arsenal team play, and one of the best halves of Arsenal I've yeah. ever seen the team play. You know, it's just. It was hit or miss. Um, I definitely questioned some of the tactical decisions and, of course, Mm. was proven wrong, as per usual. Um, But, you know, what do I know? I'm an idiot American. Um, I think at the end of the day, I'm glad to have rescued a point from it. I would have loved to win. I came in expecting a win. But, um, yeah, honestly, with the way we started off, the 3-3 draw was fortunate. And, you know, on merit, I think we definitely deserved it. But at the same time, just... Ugh, shambolic start, really.
0: Yeah, yeah, I would agree. You got you got anything to add to that, Max?
2: Just yeah, like the story of our season, isn't it? Um really slow, passive, especially reluctant in the press in the first yeah. half an hour, and it takes a like a, a, a kick up the arse to really get going. Um but positives, Odegaard was like, a privilege to watch that day. Yeah. And it's been really nice seeing his progression in the last couple of days. Um, a couple of games, sorry, be quite linear. Um, and yeah. he just looks to be the player I think everyone thought he was going to be.
0: Yeah, I know. It's, well, perhaps even better than everyone thought he was going to be because, you know, he came in with the reputation of being a youngster, really, and, you know, really someone who'd failed to imprint his mark on, on sort of the footballing world as of yet. Um, but yeah, we'll get onto Odegaard later when we talk about potential uh, attacking midfield recruits. The first area we're going to cover today in terms of incomings is right back. Um, Arsenal have had problem after problem at right back uh, for quite a while now. Um, When Mikel Arteta initially came in, Ainsley Maitland-Niles occupied that role. Maitland-Niles doesn't want to be a right back. Uh, Then Hector Bellerin returned from his injury, but has never really looked like the player he was prior to his injury. Max uh, posted a fantastic piece on the website uh, about that. Earlier this week. And um, then lately, we've also seen more experimentation with Cedric and Callum Chambers, but, you know, they're probably not the sorts of players you'd want to be your first choice right back. So, Arsenal understandably are on the hunt for a right back. Um, a few names that I just noted down that we've been linked with uh, are Tariq Lamptey. He's the one most readily discussed. But then uh, Max Ahrens of Norwich, uh, Nordi Mukiele of. Um, RB leipzig and emerson of of rail Betis have have also been touted as potential options um mac what what are your thoughts on that right back area and you have you got any more names to add to that or are you sort of um and what are your thoughts on those names that i just mentioned
1: um i think the first thought i have in mind is that i'm glad mukiele has finally been added to that list um yeah. I think there was a while where it was just kind of Lamptey and Aaron's really competing for headlines. Um, and then for a little bit, uh, you know, since Emerson's been added earlier this week, but now I think honestly, out of the four, I'm fans of all of them. Uh, two of them have really proven themselves in English competition. The other two have a lot of promising signs, but um, I'm an avid, wa- I'm an avid watcher of RB Leipzig as much as I can, to be honest. And I, over the past couple of seasons especially, have kind of become firmly cemented in my belief that out of, you know, the classic French trio of, what is it, Upamakano, Konate, and Mukiele. Um, yeah. First of all, I believe Upamakano is the worst, which is a hot take that I can discuss any other time. But I think Mukiele <laughs> is a is a real asset and could be for this team. Um, first of all, because of his positional versatility, but also he's just an incredibly talented player. and has, in, you know, he's so quick, great defense vacuum in, um, and is really starting to add the forward part of his game as he potentially features at right wing um, and right mid for Leipzig as they start to kind of preference a three back um, in the last mm. two seasons under Nagelsmann. So, yeah, I think he would be my first choice. Um, second, it's a toss-up between Lamptey and Aaron's I've definitely seen more of Tarek Lamptey. He's a fantastic player. He's also been injured, which is a slight risk. As per always, yeah. Um, Aaron's is. I was a big fan of him at Norwich, and especially if they stay in the Championship, he will be he, you know, potentially available on a cut price deal. Um, especially considering it's a year after, you know, a year later in his contract than we were originally linked with him. Um, and to be honest, I I like Emerson. Um, from the very little Betis I've watched, he's a talented player. Um, I don't trust his ball security, which I think is my one uh, biggest okay. weakness about him. But his defensive skill is really good. He's incredibly physical. He, you know, he kind of welcomes a challenge. Uh, he's quick. I think his crossing could improve in the air, but his kind of driven crosses, especially on the ground, are very, very good. Um, and he does like to underlap as opposed to overlap, which is something Arteta, I think, is going to look for more, especially as he continues to prioritize Bellerin. So, yeah, that's my little like yeah. two-minute spiel. <laughs> always love a Mac Johnson two-minute spiel
0: um so yeah I haven't watched any of Emerson either to be honest I um you know he he looks a good player from really like comps that I've watched and you know I, I did a statistical profile on on right backs on my Twitter a few weeks ago and he did come up uh but it's interesting that you mentioned the lack of technical security Mac because would you agree that you know, that that sort of quasi-midfielding aspect of the right-back job that Mikel Arteta demands, you know, inverting. Do you think that perhaps rules him out?
1: Um, Not completely, I don't think, because he is still young and still has time to learn. And I think, I believe he played in the Brazilian League before coming to um, Mm -hmm. Spain. You know, he is, again, he's still young, he has talent, um, and I think time under a more consistent coaching setup and a more high-profile club could be really good for him but my one worry about him is that he would not be immediately ready to slot into a starting role I mean I don't think there's any player that we can sign that'll fit perfectly with this system but I think out of the four he's probably the worst fit Um, even though I do I am I do really admire him I think he would have to have at least a season as a backup you know kind of a la James Justin at Leicester and I'm Mm. a little bit worried about what happens if we sell Bellerin and then you know have a a three-way competition between what Chambers, Cedric, and uh, Emerson. I think there's no real winner there. Um, yeah, I would like someone with a little bit more kind of first-team quality. I think.
0: Okay, okay. And Max, in your piece on Bellerin, you sort of identified um, his lack of athleticism since his return to injury as a sort of big contributing factor to his his downfall. Do you thus see um, sort of? Bringing in a more athletic right back as a necessity, or do you think maybe we just should prioritize a player with technical flair? Or you know, in an ideal world, we get a player with both. But but what what would be your preference in that area? What is your ideal sort of signing?
2: I think I think technical proficiency is a priority. If I'm honest, mm. um, I think like you said, it's so hard to find a fullback with both defensive and offensive outstanding attributes. Uh you touched on Emerson, he's got the most tackles and interceptions in the liga this season at five. That's that's like really freakish numbers. Mm. If you take into account Betis have the fourth highest possession in the league, which means he's not getting a lot of time to make those tackles and interceptions. That is really those are elite defensive numbers. But then again, you look at uh similar profiles to him like Wan-Bissaka, and they don't offer loads offensively um i think i think something bellerin um has improved on is is being a lot more press resistant i think you need um i think you need that in a right back i think lampty does that really well yeah i'd agree um graham potter's brighton side i think most people are in love with um play out from the back extremely well and lampty's shown that he's not just athletic but he's press resistant in an area where you don't get a lot of time on the ball.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, I'm a big fan of Tariq Lamptey as well. Um, and I, I tur- certainly wouldn't turn my nose up at him. But, you know, I think that what Mikel Arteta will be looking for is that sort of a la um, Joao Cancelo type player who, could, who can just do both, not only drift inside and and players in midfield, uh, but also overlap exceptionally well, and you know that's really hard to find. Uh, but perhaps you know Lampard still very young; he could develop into that sort of player. Um, moving on to midfield in the central area, um, sort of a player who actually plays next to Lamptee at uh, Brighton, uh, Eve Basuma has been touted as a potential option, uh, and a few other names on that have been sort of talked about. Uh, certainly, Sander Berger uh, at Sheffield United. If they go down, he's a box to box player, and um, Sumari, who plays over in France, um, and uh, also at Fulham, Zambo and Gisa. He's not actually a player who's been linked with uh, with Arsenal, but I, I uh, have had a big look into him, and he's uh, he profiles just fantastically in terms of his statistics. Max, what what are your thoughts on on that midfield area? I definitely think we need to add a player uh, with a bit more mobility who can not only partner Party but also cover for him.
2: Yeah, 100%. You you look at Xhaka and his, his weaknesses were apparent before Party came, but if you watch during a game, him on the ball compared to Party on the ball, it's, it's staggering the levels, uh, the difference in mm-hmm. levels. Xhaka will, it'll, his first touch, firstly, is atrocious, and he often finds the balls stuck beneath his feet. And he, when he gets the ball, he'll he'll never run forward. He will always stand there and wait for the pass, which I find really mm. annoying. And I've defended Jacker for a long, long time, but this is the end. Um, this is the end for me because I think there are better options out there. I think Alfie did the piece on um Zambo and a couple of weeks ago, and yeah, I think I think he's the best profile. Um, his dribbling numbers are fantastic as well as his defensive numbers. And again, this is in a film side that isn't excelling, but it's good under Scott Parker. I think him and Party mm. will make for a really nice partnership with Party providing a bit more of a passing option and Anguissa being able to just drive through the centre of the pitch.
0: Yeah, um, I remember last summer, actually, people were having doubts about whether we'd be able to get Party, And he's actually profiled remarkably similar to Partey um, during his time with, uh Villarreal last year and you know that that's only something that you can praise a player for because Thomas Party on his day is is one of the best midfielders in Europe do you have anything to add to that Mac any, any further names to add to the midfield conversation
1: oh so many um <laughs> I think first of all I'll save one for last because I'm writing a piece on him that should be out on Friday also known as tomorrow when we're recording this um yeah but so I'll keep that a little bit of a secret uh, until last, of course. I think, first of all, I would recommend um, Partey's former teammate Saul, who is going to be available potentially this yeah. summer um, as Atletico look to offset some of their debt. He is a fantastic box to box option. His technical qualities are amazing. Um, he's very very good in tight spaces. He is not afraid of physicality. Um, he's certainly not slow at all. Um, and he can play in a number of systems. He can play well in a double pivot. He can play well as a six or an eight in a four-three-three. Three. Um, and he can also play as a lone holding midfielder. Um, it's really, really impressive his versatility, uh, and I really admire him as a player. The second person, um, going back to Leipzig again, is uh, Konrad Leimer, who oh yeah has unfortunately been injured this season, but who is I am such an admirer of him. Um, he's statistically last season he was the second most press resistant midfielder in the entirety of europe um he's their first outlet to every single pressing situation um he's incredible at breaking lines with both movement and passes uh he's versatile he can play at right back he can play out wide on the right he can play literally anywhere in the midfield um and he can run for days and days and days and days um Mm -hmm. Imagine somewhat a Imagine if Mohamed Al could pass, dribble, shoot, and you know play efficiently in possession. <laughs> and you've got Conrad Limer. Um, although Limer also has a little bit more bite to his game; he's less passive. Um, again, great admirer of him. I think he's actually a very similar player to Basuma, although I think with a little more um composure and a little less flair. Uh, But the main player I want to target, and the one that I will be writing about, is Manuel Locatelli, who currently plays for Sassuolo. Um, He is an incredible, incredible passer. He's very, very creative. Um, He's mobile. He plays at the base of the midfield. He has completed the most switches of play um, of any Serie A midfielder over the past two seasons. He ranks in, and I have the stats pulled up because I'm writing my article now, but, you know, spoiler alert, he ranks in the 95th percentile of passes attempted. Um, ranks he plays seven progressive passes per ninety, which is pretty ridiculous. That's ninety fourth percentile yeah. for Serie A. Um, he's eighty second percentile for expected assists, eighty uh, for shot creating actions. Um, and in the little similar players tab, players in, uh, similar players include Koke, uh, Frank Cassie, Adrian Rabio, Rakitic, Brozovic, and Paul Pogba. Not bad that's company. Not, yeah. yeah, if that's not a good, you know list of players to be compared to. I don't know what um, he was outstanding for Milan for two seasons as an 18 and 19 year old. They then dropped him for financial reasons and he's now tearing it up for Sassuolo. If you ever get the chance to watch them, he literally has not had a bad game yet this season. Um, I heard him shout it out on a different podcast I listened to and immediately tuned into the next three Sassuolo games I could find. And he put in absolute stormers every single time. I mean, He's just so versatile. He also likes playing on the left of a pair, which really does That's help ideal. Yeah, exactly. But I think, you know, he is a more mobile, more composed and less prone to error, you know, version of Shaka, who I really do think could aid this midfield.
0: Yeah, uh, that that is a big factor, actually, which not many really consider with, with regard to the sort of left-hand side of the double pivot. It makes sense having a left-footed player on that side because like having a left centre back being left footed, it, it, it makes sort of the passing avenues a bit more straightforward and uh yeah, Mikel Arteta seems to favour that sort of approach. Um okay, so we, we sort of I sort of hovered over Bissouma and, and Sander Berger uh as someone who is a fan of the of the Brighton system. What what are your, your thoughts on Basuma? I've always sort of thought, wow, he plays plays um really well against us, but in other games, I'm not always quite as impressed. What What are your thoughts on Basuma, Max, and anything to add on on Um,
2: Following on from Mac, can heavily, heavily second on Lamer, especially. Um, yeah, pressing wise, just an absolute machine. But definitely something to be said about taking him out of Nagel- Nagelsmann's um, mm. Leipzig system and putting him into a different one. I think albeit be a different position, but you've seen Werner get and taken out and put into a completely different press, and he's he does not look like the same player. Um, but yeah, regarding Basuma and and Berger, I'm not completely convinced by Sander Berger. I remember when he signed, he was a big football manager favourite. Um, yeah, and he was he's a very unique profile. Now he's he's so tall, but um, technically astute, but. Again, it's not even necessarily to do with Sheffield's poor form. Um, just he hasn't really, he hasn't really lived up to expectations. Um, but Basuma looks to be a really, really elite player. I think the conversation's died down a bit since a couple of weeks ago. But I think, if I'm honest, I think Liverpool are going to snap him up. I think he's a mm. perfect fit for Klopp. Um, he's he's quite lean. He's not very bulky, but you see a muscle off players like they're not even there. He's really um he's really great on the ball. Uh his ball retention's top notch. And I also I just don't think, especially with Lamptey as well, it's gonna take a lot to price out these players from Brighton. <laughs> Basuma, I think you're looking at over yeah. forty mil.
0: Yeah, I I would agree. I think that, you know, we sort of take these players for granted and think, Oh, they play for Brighton they will come to us but you know Brighton are wise they 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 buy very well and um they're not going to use sort of use that to their disadvantage and then not sell well um they what they should 100% do is sell uh, either Lamptey or basuma or maybe both of them and then go and invest in a centre forward because when Brighton do that Brighton go up a level um that's all they need really a, a, a clinical striker um, okay, so that's the the base of midfield, sort of pretty well covered. Quite a few names touted there. Really, some interesting options. Um, sort of further ahead, then uh, we've got sort of ahead of the pivot, we've got uh, the central attacking midfield area. At the moment, Martin Odegaard is uh, occupying that space, and as uh, Max mentioned earlier, he's a player who um, you know is is just leaving. All Arsenal fans in awe of him, and, and that's fantastic. But, of course, he's not an Arsenal player. He's a Real Madrid player. So this is still an area Arsenal have to sort of address this summer because at the end of the day, um, we might not get Odegaard, and it's not enough just having Emile smith row in that area. Um, so on top of Odegaard's names that have sort of been touted, uh, Philippe Coutinho's had a bit of a torrid time at um, barcelona since his move from liverpool and we were heavily linked with him last summer and then of course another name we were heavily linked with was usama of, of leon who uh has actually had a pretty poor season but uh you know everyone can see his talent uh i think everyone remembers that performance against manchester city in the champions league semi-final uh no sorry final last season and he was uh you know he tore it up um and then another name which you know unlikely but perhaps if we win the Europa League and get a Champions League football Jack Grealish of Aston Villa he's had the season of his life um Mac over to you What, what are your overall thoughts on that midfield area
1: yeah I mean I think you know whoever we sign assuming we sign someone um first of all I'd love it to be Odegaard he's a fantastic player and god he looks good in red and white I'd love to keep him but if he thinks Madrid is his future then who am I to stop him um Just, I hope Zidane stays, frankly, but no. So I think that's good. Uh, Coutinho is a terrible option. I don't know why we keep getting linked to him. I think because he's a high-profile player that just isn't wanted anywhere else. Um, He's high wages, high ego, and he doesn't fit the system. I'm not a fan. I think Awar is an amazing player. We all know his quality. We've all seen his quality, but at the same time, um, he's not worth the 50 or 60 million that they are continuously asking for him. Um, I think... If his bad run of form and, you know, the fact that he's a year later in his contract does lead to him being free for less, I would love to take that deal. Um, but, you know, and especially if we do transition to a 4 3 eventually, it'll be great. But I think Grealish is by far the best option there, even though he is completely unattainable. Um, it will, however, be interesting to see, you know, whether he plays at number 10 or whether he plays at that left wing, which is where he's been best for Villa for the last two years, but also whether... Arteta will be willing to sacrifice his very much team-oriented tactics for an individual because Grealish has to play in a system that functions and that, you know, kind of he is the locus of control, right? He, everything goes through him in that Villa team and that's where he functions best. And I don't know if Arteta will be willing to sacrifice that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, he plays on that, yeah, he plays on that left wing for a Villa, doesn't he? And I suppose the... You know, ideally, Arsenal bring in perhaps even two of these players because we need technicians. Uh, and it's shown that since we've brought technicians into the side that we play much better. Um, and, you know, as many of them as you can have, the better football you play. So, you know, undoubtedly, uh, sort of the best half of football we've played this season, for me anyway, was against Spurs. Uh, the first half when we had Smith-Rowe on the left occupying that half space. Smith on the other side, operating uh, operating in the right half space, but also drifting over, uh, and then you know they they were just there creating all sorts of havoc. And you have Bakayoko, who's also a creative player. Um, but yeah, you 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 want to add players, I suppose, who can also occupy all three of those roles, or at least you know one of them. Um, with that in mind you know who would who would your be your favorite in, in that sort of attacking midfield role max
2: um for me it's yusuf yazichi for from leo okay nice um nice. you go on his fb ref and i've never seen more 99s in my life Really, it is unbelievable his his metrics um just some ones i've noted down most shots in Liga, most shots on target, most shot creating actions, most key passes. And he's putting up zero point eight seven non penalty expected goals and assists per game. Um, this is get this again is in a league with Mbappé and Neymar, and he's not just putting up these exceptional shot numbers. He's also putting up elite creative numbers. Um, watching compilations of him. It should be noted, compilations are a pretty terrible way of scouting because it can give confirmation confirmation bias. It can make Ceballos look like Europe's best midfielder. Um, (laughs) but He's got a certain swagger in the way he plays, similar to Dimitar Berbatov. Um, Mm. His posture is very good um, and it will often make these late runs into the box, but it will just glide across the pitch. She doesn't seem to have any real urgency really aesthetically pleasing player to watch with the numbers to match and we've had poor business from Leo. I don't need to say who it is um, in the past but you're not looking at over 30 mil for this guy and playing in behind the striker who, it, who it's going to be I think we'll discuss later um, but you're going to get goals and you're going to get chances created I think it's a no-brainer really
0: yeah, that, that that looks like a really astute sort of option, and that's what you want Arsenal to do. And Edu last summer he did say that Arsenal are going to use sort of statistical profiles to to scout from now on. So, you know, I sort of I did a piece uh, a few weeks ago on Ruben Aguilar of uh, of Monaco, a right back, and I sort of said if Edu and Arsenal aren't looking at this player. They're not using the statistics right because this guy is, you know, profiles as one of the best right backs in Europe. He's not talked about by anyone. This is the sort of signing you should be making using statistics, and um, this sounds like a very similar player. Um, and yeah, that that's that's exciting. That is, um, I guess, before we move on to sort of the the striker area, I think that we should have a bit of discussion about Martin odegaard Mac how much money should we be willing to throw at this guy
1: uh it depends on how much we want to do with add-ons to be honest i think um if we can you know scrub him for 35 million that would be the best possible opportunity um mm. deals right now are being touted at around 35 to 40 million with up to 20 million of add-ons um Let's also not forget that he's been at Real Madrid since he was 16. And of course, people talk about, you know, oh, he has a 400 million release clause. Yeah, that's because Real Madrid whack ridiculous amounts on their young players so they don't get poached. Yeah. Um, But, you know, I think at the end of the day, if we can actually get him into the club for less than 50 million net, it's a great deal. Um, you know, his wages will be exorbitant. He will become one of the highest paid players at the club. I'd say based off of his tenure in North London, he deserves to be. Um, you know, I think generally he's he's a fantastic player, uh, but he's also one that kind of has proven that he can work well within the system. You know, he genuinely is starting to appear to love this team Um And assuming Real Madrid don't entirely put their foot down, um, I'm definitely not, you know, team give him whatever he asks, like put an empty contract in front of him and say, all right, sign. But um, at the same time, you know, he needs to be one of our primary targets because, you know, we love him. He loves us, apparently. It looks like he does. And the opportunity to liberate him from Real Madrid and bring him to a place where, you know, he could really thrive, I think would be... You know, it's, it's the best of all worlds, um, but I definitely think we should have some reservations about price, you know, to an extent. If we're exceeding 60, 70 million for him, that's especially considering this market right now and considering our financial mm-hmm. losses um, just because of the virus. Yes. Okay. They're comparable to everybody else's, but at the same time, we, you know, we do need to be careful about overspending and overinflating and about the price tag that'll be on his head. He's been touted as the next, you know, the future of football since he was a 16-year-old kid, right, Um, when he came to Real Madrid in the first place. And that pressure was so much that he got injured, had to drop out of the starting 11, and ended up going out on loan, where, of course, he's rediscovered himself. But, I mean, I remember a year ago when he was tearing it up at Sociedad for the second time, there were all these articles coming out, like, oh, my goodness, you know, football players that you forgot about, but now remember, where did this kid go? All of this stuff, right about him. Because he was starting to actually discover some form again and not just warm the bench. I mean, he's played more minutes for Arsenal this season since he has ever for or then he has ever for Real Madrid, you know? Yeah. Um, so I just think we need to remember, especially with players like Pepe, um you said you wouldn't mention him, Max, I will. When a price tag like that is heaped on your head, the pressure is gargantuan. And Odegaard seems to form you know, seems to function really well under pressure, but at the same time. That's on pitch. Um, off the pitch, you know, he's coming. He's come to Arsenal on a loan deal, partially because he needs a space where he can kind of calm down, get away from the rabid Madrid fans, and just focus on his football and getting back into things. You know, very similar to what Jesse Lingard is doing at West Ham right now, and what Gareth Bale is doing at Spurs. Now, I'd rather not have those be the operative examples, but at the same time, I think it's just important to note. Um, you know, if he wants to be here, he wants to be here, but. At the same time, we want to get him into this club without heaping just mountains of pressure that we know this Arsenal fan base can deliver to any player, you know? Um, Yeah. Yeah, I think it's just we need to be worried about him as a player and his psyche with any financial deal we do.
0: Yeah, you'd like to think, though, that Arsenal sort of brought in Odegaard in January thinking we could get him uh, sort of on a... Permanent deal thereafter, perhaps in the summer, or perhaps even another loan might follow. But you'd like to think that Arsenal did business like that because you wouldn't. You know that's not some something Arsenal should operate as. Uh, I found it quite amusing to see Gareth Bale say that he was basically using Spurs as a as a, a as a gym earlier this week um, to get to get ready to play for Real Madrid next season. And um, you know, let's let's hope that Odegaard isn't viewing us in the same manner. I I mean, I don't think he is. Um, but from a Real Madrid perspective, I, I want to get both your thoughts on this. You know, this guy, as you were saying, Mac, he's one of the, you know the most talked about prospects in world football. Uh, at least he was when he was sixteen and when he went to Real Madrid. If you're Real Madrid and Arsenal come come uh, come calling. Um, Surely you say, okay, you can have him for one more year on loan because we want him back. Or you say, like they did last season with Reg Reg Rilon, we want a buyback clause in there. How how do you guys
2: think that Arsenal should uh, sort of approach that? Uh, Yeah, you first, Max. I I think it's relative to our financial situation and whether or not we win the Europa League. Um, I think that's going to really ease tensions financially. I think we took a really huge loan from the Bank of England, and I don't think they're going to be too happy if we spend that on transfers. So mm. getting into the Champions League, I think, will be a huge factor. Um, I'm not sure. I can really see it panning out as we're not willing to pay what Madrid want. Let's just get another loan and see where we're at next season. Um, but it's hard to it's hard to get a perspective from Real Madrid because they're happy to let Hakimi who was probably the best right back in the world last season. Go for what was it, forty million to Inter with like a crazy. with a yeah. declining Carvajal, and like you said, Reggion, albeit with a buyback clause, but for a good price to Tottenham. Um if I'm Real Madrid, I'm keeping him, uh because they've got an aging squad and Odegaard looks to be of the standard to start. But again, if I'm Arsenal, I'm probably going for another loan next season because it doesn't look too good on the financial front.
0: Yeah, I th- that's a important thing to consider with all these this transfer talk we can talk about these big names but we have to remember that the finances at Arsenal aren't um where we would all like them to be. Uh anything to add on what Max said, Mac?
1: No, I think that's about it from me, you know. I mean, he is an incredibly talented player but I would say there's a chance that we may have to be wary of second loan deals. You know, we all Mm. fell in love with Ceballos after his first, um, especially because of his performance during Project Restart. And then he's been lackluster this season, um, to say the least. And I think that it's difficult. Um, You know, taking him on a second loan deal could be our way of prolonging the inevitable signing, basically saying, you know, we don't have the money now, but when we do, we will get you. You know, I wish it were like, football manager where if you took them on loan enough times they would get mad at the club for not letting you buy them permanently but at the same time um i I just think it can be really difficult you know i think a second loan is probably the best for all parties but i think we you know if we can structure it as a loan with an option to buy and with a reasonable option to buy and if we do really want to pursue him permanently this summer then a buyback clause isn't the worst thing, but we need to make sure that that buy bu- buyback clause kind of determines, even if it is cheap, that we are turning a profit. Um, I'd rather not spend 60 million on Odegaard and then two months, you know, two years later, sell him back to Real Madrid for 20. Like that would suck. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. And no. that's, you know, things like what PSG should have done with Christopher Nkunku at RB Leipzig. They've let him go for 16 million. Now he's worth about 60. Like I think it's just a conversation of, you know, a parent club should be putting a buyback clause in, but at the same time, we need to make sure that we're not getting absolutely stiffed because if, you know, his, his first contract three years in the future does end, he's worth 80 million and they can buy him back for 40. That's terrible business from us because we're letting him go, even if he might not want to. So I don't know. I'm just in, in the long, long term, it's always just something to be careful of, but yeah, I think I, I still want to sign him and that's the bottom line.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm sort of in the same boat. I think that we absolutely should sign him, but I I sort of agree with Max. I think that given the finances and, um, sort of just the situation around Madrid, uh, with them needing a rebuild, really, you know, I can't see them, you know, if, if anyone with a, with a sane mind at that club really thinks that Erdegaard is the sort of player who, uh, they should be selling i'm i'm worried um but you know if we can get a loan with perhaps like a option to buy if like real madrid sort of let us um just any sort of deal like that that would be cool um but yeah i took that that we we covered that quite extensively Uh, but it, it really is an interesting one um but i think we should probably move on to the striker role now um So this is a really quite contentious one because, you know, Lacazette has some staunch defenders in the Arsenal fan base, including one of the writers on our site. Uh, Don't even need to say who it is because everyone knows. Um, But, you know, it looks like he will probably be sold this summer and that's the right decision in my opinion. Um, Regardless, let's talk about some players who have been touted as options. Uh, we've got Celtics Odson Edward. Um now this is one that really fascinates me. Uh, Brentford Ivan Tony, who has just been tearing it up in the Championship. His stats are unreal. Um, and then another player I really like is Patson Daka from RB Salzburg. Another player who's been linked with Arsenal, but uh. He obviously plays in the Austrian league, but he is producing sort of Haaland numbers over there. He's he's their replacement for Haaland. and then finally uh, a player. I think I think Mac likes. I, I've got a feeling you've talked about him before. Um, Real Sociedad's Alexander Isak. Um, so yeah, Mac, uh, yeah. the floor is yours. And then it sounds like Max is pretty excited to get involved, too. So you can go afterwards.
1: What you can't see is me fist pumping in the background because I really like Alexander Isak. I'm such a fan. Yeah. yeah, First of all, it's interesting that you mention Yusuf Iziki, Max, because he does play as a striker often for Lille. um, And he's very, very good up front. Uh, Yeah. So that's fun. He plays... Sometimes as a rotating false nine option with Jonathan David, who is finally found form, you know, my North American brother. But, um, yeah, yeah, I think that's a very good list. It's a list I really admire. Um, I've written multiple articles about Patsandaka in the past. I, he's so much fun to watch. Um, he's just rapid. He has an incredible poacher's instinct. Um, you know, his first step off of any defender. I don't think there's a single defender in the world that I know of that can keep up with him. Um mm. he's just absolutely electric. His first touch does let him down. I mean, he's also what, twenty, twenty one, maybe twenty two, I think at this point. Um, but yeah, just very talented player. Um, I think, you know, they're all good options. We're constantly linked with Odson Edward. Um and honestly, I've seen a lot out of him. Um and I am not sure if I like what I see. I think he's a bit of a he's a very similar player to Lacazette. Um, and you know, he's almost an interesting combination of Lacazette and another striker who Arsenal have been linked to for a long time in the unfortunate uh, Musa Dembele now for Atletico who you know, mm-hmm. recently collapsed on the trading pitch with um, with a heart murmur. Um you know, prayers to him and everything. He's he's going through a tough time right now. Um but I think All of the players you've named are incredible and would be great options. Um, I personally am also, I do like the Ivan Tony train. Um, He's really just kind of throwing his weight around in the championship, which does often bode well for um, a league striker. I mean, look at Ollie Watkins right now. He tore it up at Brentford. Nobody thought he could, you know, translate it to a Premier League level. And he's been very, very good for Villa this season. The only player who I would add to that list if at all possible, is Marcus Turam for Borussia Mönchengladbach. Of course, I'm a fan, so I'm a little biased. Um, but he's, you know, son of French defender Lillian of Juventus fame and World Cup fame, for that matter. Um, but he is just one of the most complete forwards I've watched in Europe. This season, he has been a bit quieter. I think a Playa has been taking a lot of the plaudits. Um but he's incredible in the air. He's very good at his feet. He likes to dribble. He likes to attack defenders. Uh, he's good between the lines. And he also plays a lot at left wing. Um, So a little bit of bombing like in that respect. Um, Yeah, I think they're all amazing options. But again, we do have to be careful Um, considering the resources we do have at the club. Obviously, Alba's staying for another couple of seasons. So it's going to be important not to buy, you know, a player who's going to... St- uh, tread on his toes too terribly much. Also, it'll be interesting to see what we do with Inketia and uh, Falar and Balogun, simply just because Balogun's been having a ridiculous season for the U23s. I think he's got three goals in his last three games, um, and two of them have been absolute worldies. And then, you know, Inketia is always spoken about as the future of this team, but I don't think Arteta rates him that highly. I mean, of course, he's used him a fair bit, especially when our other strikers are in poor form, but You know, he sees him as a clear third choice option, and I'm not sure where his future lies, especially after, you know, Mm. um, he's had a disappointing few outings for the England U21s, and of course I hope it improves. But um, I don't know. I think there's so many strikers on the market and so many of them bring different things, but we have to be careful about how we want to structure our system. No player can just plug directly into any team. Um, Mm. And yeah, I think... A striker who can both finish in behind the lines and also hold up play would be the key. I think that's what everyone in the world wants right now. And, you know, trying to get one of those without spending $60 million on them is, is a big challenge. Uh, Max, what about you? What do you think?
2: I'm um, Tony. Every every single day of the week. um, You spoke about Watkins and I remember watching him when Barnett played Brentford in the FA Cup. He did score, but he didn't set the world alight and he came to Villa with a hefty price. Tony looks double, triple the player Watkins looks. Um just I can't seem to find a weakness. He's putting up one over one goal and assist a game in the championship. You watch him play and it looks like a year eleven bullying a year seven, like in the playground. Like they're just the year sevens, <laughs> you know, when they're just scampering to the year eleven to try and get the ball back. Um
1: have you seen that have you seen that one picture of Lukaku as like a 16 year old playing with the 18s and he's like at, at 6 foot 2 at that point and just towering yeah. over everyone like it's just yeah it's that type of vibe I think
2: yeah to that it's just yeah to that same effect yeah so so crisp with his passing um so can offer that link up play but I think we do need someone that can just poach like you said, Daka could and attack the ball. I think that's something Lacazette and Aubameyang are so reluctant to do is get on the end of crosses, which we've seen now we can we can create chances. So we don't need to, you know, cross it 35 times against <laughs> Mourinho's spurs. But I think Tony looks way, way, way too good for Brentford. I think it's inevitable Um, he's ending up. Uh, a better team next season I think you can get him on a on a cut price compared to some of those other names
0: yeah I think we're all just keeping our fingers crossed that Brentford don't come up uh because yeah he just looks like a you know as you were saying Max with those stats he just screams of a player who's far too good for the championship and he honestly looks like he's gonna like break every championship stat available Uh, sorry every championship record available because, wow. And do you know what else I love about him? I, I love that penalty technique. Like, yeah. Yes. Is, so yeah. much
2: swagger to it. The way he's, he yeah. just goes yeah. in slow motion.
0: Like, it's brilliant. And, and it just it just works every time. And you can't believe that it works every time, but it does. Um, but yeah, uh, I really like him. And I'm in agreement with Max. He is my personal choice. I think before we move on, you sort of um, brushed past Alexander Isak in your sort of admiration of him, Mac, what 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 do you see in him? And, and what's your argument for him, uh, for Arsenal to, to sort of target him this summer?
1: Um, I think he, first of all, he has something uh, that is, you know, very key in a striker, which is height. Um, he's, what, six, two and a half. And unlike Alba, has a very good tendency to just compete for headers and really kind of get, mixy um he's i think it's what oh goodness i'm on his stats right now uh yeah he is very very good Uh, non-penalty xg he's you know almost leading the league in la liga um he's just a very decent all-around forward i think he's not top of the list but he just has this silky smooth quality about him he almost seems to float when he runs um and he's rapid but He has, he, he's very little, you know, he doesn't get the ball tangled around his feet much. Um, He's very composed and very just solid. And I think his skill in holdup, especially, um, obviously Tony is kind of the, you know, focal point of this Brentford attack. that has been again, electric, even after losing Ben Rama and Watkins. But at the same time, I think, you know, In terms of a Premier League system, um, if Tony isn't an option, then I would love to see someone like Alexander Izak. because yes, okay, he is a poacher and he does have those goal scoring qualities and kind of the the nous and the technique in the box. But at the same time, um, he is a beautiful player on the ball. And I think he brings a lot of that, you know, kind of composure. And he's one of those strikers that really frustrates defenders. Um, He's good at drawing fouls. He's good at positioning himself in the right areas, getting into space, but also not interfering with his teammates. I think if you look at, frankly, both Abamyang and Lacazette, they tend to get drawn into the center a little bit too much. Um, I think they can sometimes mm-hmm. crowd the box and make shooting lanes hard from outside areas, but uh, that's something that Isak is very good at avoiding. I mean, with a teammate like Mikel Arjazabal, who's very good at just picking spots on a goal, um, it's important to know where he is and if he's going to shoot. Um, and also with Odegaard in the ranks, I think they played together briefly. I'm not sure though, but, um, you know, it's just, it, he's been lights out for Sociedad this year. And I think he's, you know, especially if we sign him as a backup to Aubameyang and really give him a year, almost like Lester do when they red shirt players, just give him a year to develop and adapt to the league. I think he'd be amazing. Um, but I do agree with both of you. I think. Tony is argu- arguably our best option because I'm not sure he would need that little grace period. I think he would slot pretty instantly into this team.
2: Home, homegrown as yeah. well, um, which is something we definitely need right now.
1: Yeah, very true.
0: Yeah, a lot. Twenty five years old as well. I like that age profile. He's a player who's like you know entering those prime years, and you know what, At Arsenal, we don't have enough of those sorts of players. Um, We've got a lot of youngsters, a lot of older guys. We need some players who are like Thomas Partey, for example, who's just in his prime. Um, And Ivan Toney, different beast. Uh, Yeah, I, I, I really want to see him at Arsenal. And I think that, again, as I mentioned with the emphasis on using stat DNA to our advantage, he should be one of those players who pops up at the top of the statistical list in terms of Europe's best strikers. I know he's playing in the Championship, but still... He's tearing it up. It's ridiculous the level he's performing at. Okay, so we have covered right back, central midfield, attacking midfield, and striker with uh, with quite some detail. The final area I'm going to look at uh, today with you guys is left back. Now, uh, you know, don't don't sweat. I'm not suggesting Kieran Tierney is going to be replaced, but you need to cover. He doesn't have any cover in that role at the moment other than a right-footed Cedric. Um, and we need a natural left-back to be able to cover him. Now, in January, uh, a few options were sort of suggested that we might be able to bring in stopgap signings. Ryan Bertrand of Southampton and Patrick van Aanholt of Crystal Palace. But since then, David Ornstein has come out and said that sort of a younger player is ideal, someone who... Tierney can sort of take under his wing um, and sort of nurture and perhaps even then like take over from Tierney in a few years' time. I remember also in January, Josh Doig, who can't remember which Scottish side he plays for. Is it Kilmarnock? Um, anyway, he uh, he was also suggested, and he is that sort of profile that you like. Um, now, I can't really think of any names. I, I don't actually think there are many like top, top class Left backs in world football at the moment. um So, yeah, I, I suppose it's wise that Arsenal are looking for, for a younger guy. So, Max, do, do you have any ideas in that area who Arsenal should maybe look at?
2: You're right. There really aren't um, a lot of players in this area. fullbacks have always been quite a hard um, position to scout for, especially mm. ones that are willing to sit on the bench nine weeks out of ten. Um, some profiles, Nuno Mendes for Porto. I think he's 18 or 19. I think he's, he's just got a call-up to the senior team, uh, the senior Portugal side as well. Really, really great right-back. Very small. I think 5'7", five, 5'8". Five, but then you can probably guess he's lightning quick. Um, really successful tackler. Always looks to win his duels. Really, really strong in the tackle. Like similar to Kearney, I think that's a really good um, attribute needed. Other than that, I really like... The idea of Bertrand as a backup left-back, I think he's been a really great servant mm. to Southampton every season. Um Isn't he on the end of his contract as well, so he can yeah. sign him for free? Yeah. Homegrown yeah. as well, um, as I mentioned before. Mendes is going to cost a lot to get out of Porto and there aren't that many in the market. I'm sure there is a younger profile, but other than that, I think Bertrand's the way to go on a free as well. Would you agree, Mac?
1: Uh, without a doubt. I think there's only one player who I would potentially talk about, and that is uh, Daley Sinkraven out of uh, Leverkusen. He unfortunately doesn't yeah. quite fit the age profile. He is 25, um, but he's a very talented player. Uh, I'm not sure. I think I've shouted out Leverkusen uh, before on this pod, but they are ca- literally chaos FC, um, and he's a very, very key part of that. Um, he's He loves to attack. Um, he's also a very, very solid defender. Um, not the quickest, but, you know, he he genuinely is just, he's a very fun player to watch. Um, I think the issue often with wingbacks is that they can fall into the aging category. You know, I think a lot of teams will rely on them for veteran support. I mean, you remember us with Nacho Monreal, who was just incessant mm-hmm. because he was, you know, a six out of 10 player every game and that's what we needed. Um, but I think there's, there are very few left backs who you can look around and say, all right, this might be a steal, you know, um, most of the established stars are just that established stars. They're in the prime of their careers. There are very few good understudies. Um, so I think it's very much a hard position to scout for, but honestly, the best solution might be if we have anyone coming up through the Academy, you know, on that topic of a homegrown player, um, but if not, I think a stopgap, someone like Ryan Bertrand could be really good. Or, um, yeah, I was also considering Mar- Marcel Halstenberg uh, from RB Leipzig. I think he's also ending, ending you know, his contract soon. Um, he is, again, not the quickest, but very defensively astute, plays at center back a lot for them um, on the left side. He's great in possession. He's a very good crosser of the ball, a very good passer of the ball. Um, and he would be cheap because he is, you know, Uh, not say a rotation, a rotational figure, but he, you know, is in a position at Leipzig right now where he knows he will not be playing every game. And that's kind of an acceptable thing. And I think potentially if we don't want to go the way of, all right, have a backup for Tierney, that's, you know, young and can kind of use him as an understudy potentially, potentially having that veteran presence, someone solid, someone dependable, you know, someone who we can trust to play in the position that he needs to. Um, at the time we need him to. And, you know, potentially if Tierney gets injured, he does have a habit of doing that. But also if he burns out because he plays every game at 180 miles per hour. Um, you know, just having some more solidity at the back could be really nice. Um, I do like Ryan Bertrand and I think that's a great suggestion, especially considering how much he does love to attack and just bomb forward on that left side, similar to Tierney. So yeah, it's a good fit.
2: Mac, I think um your point in the Academy was great. Um, seeing as there aren't that many options, I think one to watch, um, in the, I think further re- rather than near future is Amari Hutchinson. Um, I think a few people might know him. He did a video, yeah, left when he was video. about twelve. Yeah, uh, and that was when he was playing as a right back. He's now a right winger, um, so left fitted. But I think there is something to be said about wingers. Transitioning into fullbacks, but taking a like, looking like complete naturals. Mm. There are loads of cases now. I think we've seen it with Alfonso Davies, who's now arguably the best in the world in his position. Saka, we saw last season looked a natural there. Matty Cash for Villa, and Wan Bissaka is the most puzzling one because you look at him, he's you can't believe so he was a winger. You can't. exact How <laughs> on earth was he playing right wing? Um. And so, uh, Juventus as well. Yeah, great example, especially into the latter stages of his career. Yeah, Um, I think there is something to be said about that. And if Saka's Saka's got that right wing spot, and as long as he doesn't leave, he's going to have it for the next ten years. So, if Hutchinson, in a hypothetical scenario, converts to a left back, I don't think there's any reason why he wouldn't be a solid backup in three, four years. Yeah, but again, that's a that's a long that's a long time away.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, which perhaps means that bringing in a bit of a veteran would make sense just to offer that security in that position. If, if Tierney was to get injured, um, another option from the academy is Joel Lopez, who is a left back and he was signed from Barcelona a few years ago and he was talked about as a, a big prospect. So, um, yeah, but I I think. I read that he could perhaps do with a loan. So yeah, even that contributes to the bringing in a Bertrand-style player discussion further because you know you send Lopez on loan for a year, you have Bertrand as your backup for Tierney, who's still a very capable Premier League fullback, and you know that that sort of deal makes sense. Um, okay, well we we've I think that's all the areas I, I sort of wanted to to cover today. Uh, some really fascinating names covered. Some really. Really cool sort of options that I'd be, I you know I think almost every single player that I've mentioned today, I'd love, or even the guys that you you uh, the players that you guys have talked about, you know, they're players I would love to see in an Arsenal shirt next season. Uh, as we've said, it's really dependent on Europa League success, but you know, let's be positive. Let's hope we do win that competition, which you know is a very real possibility for me. And, you know, then hopefully we can sign some super superstars because that, that's what we all want to see as Arsenal fans. Um, okay, well, Max, you said you've listened to the show, so you'll know we, we, we end with the spotlight. Uh, what are you going to be shining on today, Mac?
1: See, this was an interesting discussion for me um, because there was a player I wanted to bring up uh, who I did not who I will now talk about. Um, and it's a young nice. kid for Ajax. Uh, you may have heard of him. He's 18. His name is Ryan Gravenbirch. Um, I'm pronouncing it poorly because he's Dutch and I'm not, but he is oh so stunning. Um, he is a number eight conventionally, but similar to a lot of players we've talked about, can play anywhere. Um, of course, this team has, you know, probably three too many young kids playing key positions um, in terms of being really successful, mm. but he is the type of, you know, he has attracted attention from almost every big club in the world with his performances this year. He's just a stunning, stunning watch. Um, I I know I don't really have much Eredivisie access in, in America, but if anyone knows how to watch it or has the opportunity, just watch the kid play. Um, he's stunning. And I think we hopefully will get to see him with uh, the Netherlands at the Euros and maybe in some international friendlies if you're watching it. Um, but yeah, generally just a fantastic player. All right. Uh, yeah. I suppose, Max, do you have a spotlight for us?
2: I do. Um, I wrote a piece about Brighton um, before I joined uh, WLYA. George, this my Greek pronunciation is not going to be there. Georgios Giacomakis <laughs> is the leading scorer in the Eredivisie um, with 24 goals. And... He's outperforming XG by about seven. But this is a really like freakish season. Everything he's he's touching is getting put away. And I recommended him for Brighton because, as you mentioned before, Rob, that's exactly what they need. Someone that isn't Neil Mope. Someone that's going to score, basically. Because that way, they will perform as expected. Um, but yeah, I just thought, so far and ahead, the... the the best striker in the Eredivisie this season um and someone that's gonna see a drop off next season but it's very likely he'll get picked up so I think definitely one to look out for
1: this is the uh the 26 year old I think he might be for what is yeah, it okay. VVV Venla that kid yeah yeah he's a lot of fun to watch
0: yeah wow uh an Eredivisie era, era themed um Spotlight this week. I'm going to go in a completely different direction. Um, I'm going to actually spotlight an article. Um, I'm sure you guys managed to have a read of it yesterday. It was Daniel's piece on um, his Lanky Ginger blog. And for anyone who's interested in getting into the, the world of journalism, please just go and check it out because he communicates so vividly um and accurately the fears the anxieties but also the hopes and dreams of so many journalists and it's not only focused on journalism it it can be applied to like any industry uh and you know i'm sure that a lot of people listening to this are our sort of age sort of dreaming of getting into something and daniel he he conveys it so brilliantly and i i, I really enjoyed it um and yeah, so please, please do go check check that out. That's on a lanky ginger blog. Um, okay, so so that's everything for this week from me. Anything you guys want to add?
2: Um, that yeah, that piece by Daniel was it was quite anxiety inducing, but it was <laughs> yeah. it was quite moving in a way because he really, I mess I messaged him like showing my love for that piece because he expressed that feeling so beautifully. Um, mm. But yeah, it is a it is a patience thing. And I know I'm probably the youngest writer, but we are all still very young. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was a great piece.
1: Yeah. I, would. Yeah, I mean, nah, send it. yours rub.
2: No, no, go ahead, Mac.
1: All right. I was going to say, I know on this call, I think I'm the oldest at 20. Yeah. Um, Which is kind of scary to think about, you know, (laughs) I am I'm still in college or uni, if you will. Um, You know, I still don't know what I want to do with the rest of my life. And that can be frightening. Um, And Daniel is an amazing writer um, and an amazing person. And, you know, just showing him all the love. Um, He deserves it. Please go give it a read. Uh, Yeah. Thank you. And also thank you for listening to this pod. Uh, As always, it's been a pleasure talking to you all. Well,
0: that's all for this week's Extra Canon podcast. Uh, Mac and I will be back next week previewing the Liverpool match. Hopefully, Max will be able to join us too because he's uh, had a fantastic podcasting debut with us today. And yeah, it's been a great show. Please do leave um, a review, a like. Please share it.
2: Uh, And yeah, we'll see you next week. Goodbye.